I was actually slow to warm up to the Funkos, but now I kind of Which like is funny because George collects stuff. Cleaned up and he's got the cologne on, and that's the creepiest moment it's... in the entire movie. I don't know why, but when I think of shut-in, my mind goes right to being disabled. I don't know why. It's either being disabled or the weather. Okay. Let's get to the good part. Welcome. This is fun. She is Hope Mad. He's George Wolf. And we are from MadWolf.com. Glad to do Fright Club live on Facebook. Well, we are glad, but we're we're kind of sad we're because sad. normally we would be at the Gateway Film Center, our home away from home, in Columbus, Ohio, Which doing this. Means we this. have to be at our regular home all the time now. <laughs> that's, that's right. That's right. So you know, all of us are having to make adjustments. And by the way, we hope everybody's healthy. And uh, washing your hands and sanitizing and staying safe. But we're glad to have you because this does give us a nice chance to let some people who aren't in our neck of the woods experience the Fry Club thing. That's right, actually. Um, I don't know if you know this or not, but George mainly does our Facebook stuff. And I mainly do our Twitter stuff, which means that a lot of our Twitter people who are not anywhere near Columbus, Ohio, hopefully are able to join us today. So if they're here, we want to say, hey, Jenny. Hey, Dave. Hey, Jamie. Hey, Silas. Omar. Hey, Omar. Fright Club Nation. Fright Club Nation, yeah. Yeah, welcome. We're so appreciative of the friends that we've made since we've started this thing, and uh, we've just we're having a blast. And uh, so we're glad everybody could join us. We're gonna have we're gonna have fun talking about what else right now, but shut in horror. <laughs> and I, I suppose that'll start with a definition of just what we call shut in horror, because we've debated this the last few days. What qualifies as shut in? What doesn't? But we'll get to that. First, we do want to say thanks to everybody that came out the last time. I think we got in one last Fright Club Live at Gateway just a few days before yeah. things got really crazy. It was back when Brandon was still trapped in, in England. Oh, my God. So we're God. so happy to report that Brandon is home and his basement flooded. We, and he's having a really shitty 2020, but we love him. We were so anxious for him. We were really, we were really anxious for him. Which, uh, Brandon, <laughs> we just kept thinking of him like 28 days later. He's like Killian Murphy running through the streets of London with zombies after so him. I it think, was terrible. I think the message here is that we were the victims <laughs> uh, and not Brandon who was almost stuck in England. But Yeah, it was so nerve-wracking. But uh, we we're were... glad he's home. Yeah. And Katie. Glad yeah, they're both home. Exactly. And we were at Gateway and we, we did our one classic for the year, which was Eyes Without a Face, which was really great to see on the big screen. And we had a really great crowd. We appreciate you coming out there, risking life and limb right. to, uh, to have some we, fun we with us. We hope you're but... still all very safe and healthy. Exactly. But it was great to see that classic on the big screen, uh, as it always is. I love when we do the classics. Yeah. And we got some, I think everybody liked it. Yes, I do. Our topic was bad doctors, and so naturally, Reanimator came up, and we talked for a minute about Stuart Gordon. Yeah. And we were so sad. He was so... only 77. I mean, I, I say. I thought that it was seventy-two. Was it seventy-two? I thought it was seventy-two. Still, it just seemed too young. Yes. Really, and that that was a shocker. I know that a lot of people that I saw reacting on on social media. Nobody really saw that coming. No, at and all. He, and he's such a nice. He was such a nice man. Not that we knew him well, but we did get to meet him one time, and he came off as an incredibly nice man. And and he's got a lot more, I think, films than not than you know everybody realizes. And one of the ones that I think is the most underseen, I think is one of his latest films, which was called Stuck. He co-wrote and directed. Yeah. Uh, it was super weird. It was based on a true story. Right. It did not seem like it should work, and it did not seem like a Stuart Gordon film at all, but it was. I really enjoyed it. Yeah. I was surprised by how much I liked the movie Stuck. Yeah, and I, I, I probably should go back, because when we did talk about him last time, I made that joke 
about him, you know, having eyes for. And I don't want to. I don't want to come off that he was lecherous in any way. No, he, he was, was not. very, very. Nice he was. Man. But I, let's just say that he was probably glad that I was taking the picture and she was in the picture with him. That, that's all. I don't want to. You know, I don't want to uh, give off any illusions that he did anything improper. No, he did he was not. Super he was nice. totally fine. Just a real shame. A real shame. But I agree with you. Stuck. If you haven't seen Stuck, yeah. look that one up because it doesn't. It's a movie that if you if you watched and guessed. Try to guess what famous horror director directed you would it. Not. You would not. No, you, you wouldn't come up would with not. them, no. That gets us to shut-in horror. Yeah. Pretty much an obvious topic right now. Right. Everybody kind of hunkering down, doing their thing. But I think some of the ideas we got, different people have different ideas, I think, for just what is shut-in. Case in point, our good friend Dino yeah. from the Whiskey Business Podcast, which is a great podcast. It Look is it up. a great podcast. This is where we got the idea to drink today. <laughs> yeah, we, we never would have had that idea. No. He suggested right out of the box, Wait Until Dark. I love Wait Until Dark. Yep. But it's not a movie that I would have first thought about that jumped to mind when I thought of shut-ins. Because I know toward the end there, she actually is held captive yeah. in the house. But I, didn't really, I don't really consider that a shut-in. No. I mean, I think that it works. Good I mean, movie, can, though. There's, uh, there's one that we're going to talk about today that we can bring that back up. I mean, I think it sort of all feeds into the same theme of the one that did make the list. But there's another. I mean, there were a couple that were on and off and on and off for me. And finally, I think w the line we drew was between captive and shut in. Mm -hmm. And there are some still that we're going to talk about that kind of dance between that. But we do. We do. We have a whole podcast on captives in right. horror, mainly so we could talk about the movie The Woman, which we like to talk <laughs> about as often as possible. Uh, and so that's where we're not going with this is necessarily being held captive unless there is some real overlap in just being shut in, uh, either because of weather or because you've you've gone crazy or because you are uh, disabled to a degree that you can't leave. And there is I mean, there's there's going to be some sort of interplay with captive. But on the whole, it's not captivity horror. Yeah. And we've got we've got six. Top six, top five. And then and then a few underneath each yeah. entry to, to, to throw in there. So. Uh, you want to get to it? Yeah. So we'll go top six, top five. This is number six on our shut-in. I almost said captive. See there? Uh, this is from 2016, and this is one I don't think we've ever talked about this movie before. Uh, <laughs> after getting in a car accident, a woman is held in a shelter with two men who claim the outside world is affected by a widespread chemical attack. It is 10 Cloverfield Lane. <laughs> Something's coming. And this is one I remember it had a lot of secrecy around it because once it, the title dropped and it was Cloverfield, everybody, oh, it's got to have something so directly to do with the movie Cloverfield. And it, it really didn't. I mean, I think they tried to keep it in the same universe, yeah. but it really didn't have a whole lot to do with the movie Cloverfield. No, it's definitely not a chemical attack, though. But I still, I, I really enjoyed it. Oh, I loved it. I liked so much about this movie. I liked so much about it. One of the reasons that it's made the list is it's one of the movies that toys, but it kind of toes the line between captive horror and shut-in horror, mm -hmm. right? And that's the whole tension of the movie is 
because Mary Elizabeth Winstead's character wakes up and she's handcuffed to right. a bed. Well, that's every human female's nightmare. And one of the things that I love, I think that they do really effectively, uh, Dan Trachtenberg directed this movie, and one of the things I think that he does really effectively is generate a lot of tension with what seems like mundane moments. Mm -hmm. And then the other thing that is done incredibly well, it's basically a three-man show, and all three of them are just spectacular especially John Goodman. Oh. When John Goodman comes out, he's all cleaned up and he's got the cologne on, and that's the creepiest moment it's... in the entire movie. You're like, oh, Jesus, I didn't that, see that coming. When we saw it, that bothered you for days. It did. Just that scene. When he came out, you know, Johnny going courting, that was really creepy. It was. And it's interesting, just the last couple of days, because if you're a baseball fan, you know yesterday was supposed to be uh, baseball's opening day. So I did a video talking about baseball movies, and then we talking about the movie Babe, where yeah. he played Babe Ruth. And it's one of those movies where the actor's good, but you can tell he's not a baseball <laughs> player. It's weird to say that John Goodman wasn't very good in that, but yeah. but because he, he's always so he good. Always and in so this good. one, he's so good of, of how the, the character changes from, or, you know, you're believing him. He's just, he's just as caring for their well-being, yeah. and then... Slowly, it gets more and more sinister, yeah. and then it takes that other swing toward the end. With is there really something yes, out there? That, He's, is he telling the truth? Right. Yeah. Yeah. I I think that the the tonal shifts and the and the tension are are dealt with so incredibly well in this movie, and and I do I think you forget that you it's really just three people. Yeah. Um, and a vat of a really caustic chemical. Oh, it's all. Yes. It's, it's the whole movie. No, I really, really love that. Of course, I also love Mary Elizabeth Winstead um, in everything. So. Yeah, and if you didn't know, at the very beginning, when she's, you know, she's breaking up with her boyfriend, the voice is Bradley Cooper. I did know that. Yeah, the voice. Which is, who breaks up with Bradley Cooper? <laughs> but, uh, so one of the movies, one of the movies that was almost on this list that reminds me a bit of this film mm -hmm. is, uh, I think kind of fits in the same category, is Berlin Syndrome, which we've talked about actually on a number of occasions, and I think that it's an underseen and really effective movie. I agree. It didn't finally make the list because I think it is captive horror. It's really, really good captive horror, but it doesn't start, she doesn't start off a captive. Right. Right, and that's one of the things that, good guy Jim, actually, because really, <laughs> Mary Elizabeth Winstead, she starts off a captive, but uh, not everybody Jim. does. And I think that that was why I toyed with having Berlin Syndrome on this for that same reason. She doesn't start off that way. She just winds up that Good way. guy Jim, by the way, is John Gallagher, <laughs> the guy from 10 Cloverfield Lane. And we call him Good Guy Jim because we used to watch one of the few TV shows we have actually watched religiously the last few years is uh, The Newsroom. And he played, he played a guy named Jim, and he was a good guy. And we referred to him, because we always give people nicknames, as Good Guy Jim. Right. So now that's his name. Mm -hmm. So there you go. So that's 10 Cloverfield <laughs> Lane and the Berlin Syndrome. I agree. That's a, a movie that was better than I expected it to be. And also, it's because Teresa Palmer was better than I've ever seen her. Yes. She, she's she blew me away in that movie. She's spectacular. I did not expect that performance, but that was a, a good one as well. So that is number six, our fuzzy math, top six, top five of Shut In Horror. So let's go to number five. And this is one where I'm going to be absolutely no help because I have not seen, <laughs> I have not seen this movie. But uh, it's one that we actually talked about once when we had Fright Clubber number one, John Dean, on That's with right. us to talk about German, German. horror. We did German horror, and this and was on that one. And this is from 2010, just when Michael arrives in Berlin to visit his ex-girlfriend. A terrible virus starts spreading across the city at a rapid pace, turning people into mindless, homicidal maniacs. It's Rambach Berlin Undead. 
a good one. It's kind of a cross between 28 Days Later and Night Eats the World, which is another movie that very came very close to being on this list. Uh, the Night Eats the World is, is uh, an introvert who is holed up inside an apartment building that isn't his. He doesn't live there. And that's just where he was when the epidemic hit. And basically, because he is an introvert, he has the skills that he needs to survive because he doesn't really care if anybody else is with him. He can be really quiet and he just kind of studies what's going on. And it's and it's a it's a fascinating movie. I really liked it. And it has a lot in common with Rambach Berlin Undead, except that it's a lot more. That's also got a big 28 Days Later vibe, because first of all, they're not really zombies. It's more of a you know, they're it's more of like a rage virus that they mm-hmm. have. And he's trapped inside an apartment building that isn't his. And none of the apartments are his, and he doesn't really know the layout, and he gets to know some of the other survivors, and they very cleverly figure out how to, you know, make the most of the situation. Figure, and it's and, and also the, the other one that reminds me of actually is Berlin Cinder because there's a lot of people trying to figure out how in the fuck do I get out of this building, <laughs> <laughs> and you know it's it's tender. The performances are really strong. It's clever. They do things that aren't idiotic. You, you you think to yourself, yeah, that's what I would totally do that. That's exactly what I would try at this very moment. You know, it's a bit, it's scary. I, I enjoy that one a lot, and I think that it is wildly underseen. Are you reading comments? I, I am reading comments. I'm far too myopic to be able to see that from here. <laughs> we got a couple thumbs up for Wait Until Dark. Oh, yeah. uh, and, and also somebody... Here's Jamie Ray. Yeah, and also um, commenting about the Funkos. There are, <laughs> there are some Funkos in the back. Can we do a Funko check? We've got... Uh, I've got... Chief Brody from Jaws is back there, and then she has got Beatrice Kiddo That's right. from Kill Bill. You might have heard of John McClane from Die Hard. I've got uh, him there, and then, of course, she's got Leatherface. Leatherface. By the way, Me Toxin says Megan hasn't heard of Die Hard. <laughs> is that true, or are you just no, poking at me, spend, poking no, at me? No, they're going to spend the whole episode bitching about all the movies she hasn't seen. God bless you, Megan. Oh, Jesse is asking, does the autopsy of Jane Doe count? You know, that's a good question. I, I we both really enjoy yeah, the do. autopsy of Jane. And they are kind of stuck in that. They are kind of stuck in that. They world. are. That that's a good one. Shut in. Hmm. I don't know. And that's a good question. We'll get back to that. But uh, that is number five, and we'll go up to number four on our shut in. And this is the classic out of this list, right? Yeah. A former child star torments her paraplegic sister in their decaying Hollywood mansion from 1962. Betty versus Joan. Whatever happened to Baby Jane? I wonder if you can guess who I am. I'm Baby Jane Hudson. Who the hell was Baby Jane Hudson? She's sick and she's not getting any better. You mean Jane? I think she seems much better lately. You wouldn't be able to do these awful things to me if I weren't still in this chair. But you are, Blanche. You are in that chair. (laughs) Jane, please. Don't do this to me. Jane! If you don't have Betty in that, if you don't have Betty in that fight, Betty, I don't even want to know you. She's great. She was Oscar nominated. She did her own makeup, and it's crazy. And it pretty much launched hag horror, did it not? Yes, it absolutely did. Yes, it absolutely did. I mean, that became, and and actually both of them, Joan Crawford and Betty Davis, starred in a number of hag horror films after this. And again, it's one of those where she starts off, she's partially, this is to say, uh, Joan Crawford's character is partially shut in because... She's in a wheelchair. Right. And then it becomes increasingly harder for her to leave the house because her insane sister, played by Betty Davis, 
is uh, not going to let her out. And Victor Bono plays, and he's good in this. And he, he actually he's Oscar-nominated as well. You know who that was supposed to be, by the way? Who? Before Victor Bono, it was supposed to be Peter Lawford oh. from the Rat Pack. But uh, the story goes, he bowed out at the last minute because he thought he was so close to JFK, uh, he thought it would look bad because of the subject matter. That, that's the way the story goes. So Victor Bono got it. And, and yeah, he, he's great. He is great. Well, he's nominated for an Oscar. I don't think I've ever seen him in anything else. Uh, oh, come on. He was King Tut in the old Batman series. All hail to King Tut. Thank you, Grand Vizier. Thank you. It was delightfully spoken. King Tut, people. No, I've completely lost what I was talking about because <laughs> you're all King you're... Tut and shit. I love the twist ending. I love the poor housekeeper. Like, how she comes back, and she's just all like, pay me, and also, what the fuck happened to your sister? And also, I'm going to be the one, the only one person dies. Only one person gets killed in this movie. Now, she's not only one person dies, but only one person is murdered in this movie, and it's this poor, helpful lady who just comes back to check on her. Uh, but she's not very, she doesn't make wise decisions, the housekeeper. No, but you know what else is creepy about this movie is... The parakeet, the rat? Well, no, the, the song. I've written a letter to Daddy. His address is heaven above. That's wonderful. Oh, I mean, yeah. because. Oh, God, about my dad. Yeah, yeah. Baby Jane was a, a child star and, and famous for singing these songs about Daddy. And when she's still singing them, when she's this, it's they're so weird. Well, it's a weird song for a child to sing too, because Daddy's in heaven. Yeah. So it's creepy to begin with, which actually sets a really good, like macabre tone for the whole movie. Mm -hmm. And of course, it's it's famous, and the, and there was a whole right miniseries about it a couple of years ago because Betty Davis and Joan Crawford hate each other. Yeah, parents. not just about this movie, but about their feud, their yeah. long going on, yeah. ongoing feud. Yeah, which um, which I love. And I love that, really, it was Betty Davis who came out on top because, again, I'm going to choose Betty Davis all damn day long. Uh, but she really, and, but I mean, the truth is, Joan Crawford is great in this movie. She does a really good job, um, especially as you find out what the twist ending is. And mm -hmm. their, their chemistry is just perfect, as it needs to be, two people who clearly would easily kill each other given the opportunity. I'm so intrigued by those old Hollywood beefs. Yeah. You know, back long before any sort of social media or anything like that, they played out through the the columns of like Hedda Hopper and yeah. people like that. And you had to get an angle. You had to get the upper hand. I love reading those just little details about how they used to just rib each other. Yeah. You know, well, there's the thing also that, you know, they're playing aging starlets. And so it's like, oh, it's these aging actresses playing aging actresses. And both of them, and they, as they filmed it, are considerably younger than I am now. So fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Back to the comments. It, they seem to be stuck on the Funkos. Uh, <laughs> Jenny says, yay, Funkos. And Jason says, I have way too many Funkos. Okay, maybe we should hide the Funkos. And or maybe we need more. Maybe we are not impressive to them. Bridget, help I, us out. I, 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 I was actually slow to warm up to the Funkos. At, at first, I thought they were a little bit, but now I kind of like Which is funny because George collects stuff. I collect some things, but I, I like some, some Funkos. And I thought they were a nice, nice addition to your home office. Okay, so that is number four on our list of shut-in horror. And this one, yeah, this one, I don't know why, but when I think of shut-in, my mind goes right to being disabled. I don't know why. It's either being disabled or the weather. Okay. And, and so this one, of course, she is in a, in a wheelchair. Which and, makes me think of two others that I think were, like, on the cusp. And one, obviously, misery, right? Right. So we that's, that's, yeah, that's, we yeah, talked about because that. Because that's got all of it, right? Mm -hmm. You're disabled, there's weather, and then there's Annie. 
So you're you're not getting out of the house, at least not with both of your feet intact. Right. Uh, and uh, I mean, I could be persuaded with diff, you know, with different uh, variations of shutting, but that's just the first thing that jumps to mind yeah. for me. I don't no, know why. I, no, I do. I think that it works because I think that it gives it heightens the tension because they have more to overcome than other people who are trying to get out of a situation. Mm. Uh, Hush is another one that's good. Good guy Jim plays a bad guy in it. That's one. And then Rear Window. Uh, oh, yeah. That's another. Yeah. Uh, you know, and and he's you know, and he's shut in only because of his broken leg. Right. He can't he can't go anywhere. He's just this creepy voyeur and the hottest girlfriend ever. And he seems <laughs> to be paying no attention to. Yeah, but when when somebody comes in and says like like Dino did, wait until dark. Now that's one that I would not have thought of. But yeah. then once he brought it up, I'm like, okay, I yeah. can see an argument for that. And then another one that you could that you could mention would be Disturbia, which is basically a rear window. Yeah, uh, because you know he's he's just legally not allowed to leave his house. Uh, Seth has a shout out for the Fury Road painting. Thank they're, they're you. That. Yeah. that was my Christmas present last yeah, year. Yeah, that was part of the one of the galleries. At, at Gateway, Film, at Gateway Center. Film Center. One of the cool things, if, if you're out of town, if you've never been, not only is it a great movie theater, but periodically they change up. They, they have one of the halls, both sides, is an art gallery, and they give it to a different artist every time, and it's most of the time movie-related. And I, I apologize, I forget the artist's name. I do too. But fantastic stuff. There were yeah. probably two or three more that we would like to buy, but that think, one is pretty um, striking. I think the most important thing to point out is that this is the same view that all of my corporate friends see when we do Google Hangouts and Zoom meetings, that they also see that guy, and it creeps them out, and I don't care. It's a power play. Is like, it? I'm in charge here, <laughs> like, people. Like, oh, Creepy Hope is going to be on this call. <laughs> Yeesh. Anyway, thanks for that. Thanks for the shout-out. So uh, we're up to number three on shut-in horror. This is a favorite of mine, and it's a very polarizing movie, but uh, it's it really lends itself to a lot of conversation. It's from 2017. Secure within a desolate home as an unnatural threat terrorizes the world, a man has established a tenuous domestic order with his wife and son, and then a desperate young family arrives seeking refuge. It comes at night. I want to thank you again for letting us stay here. Just going to run through a few things. When we go out during the day, we like to stick to groups just for safety. The red door. It's the only way in and out of the house. It stays closed and locked. Most important thing, we never go out at night. I think they're sick. Budget mask on. Nobody's sick here. Can't trust anyone but family. You don't get it. How old are you, Travis? If they're sick, then I am too. So we think this is a masterpiece. Of I love it. Yeah, I, I love think we it. both do. But and and it looks the most like our current situation. <laughs> it looks the most like what's going on right now. Well, hopefully not. But I, <laughs> I, yeah, I see where you're going with it. Um, it became so polarizing right out of the gate because the title indirectly promises you something, mm -hmm. and a lot and the of trailer. It was a great trailer, but a misleading one. Which and trailers, as we've said before, are designed to get butts in the seats. Yeah. and it was a great trailer. People, yeah, and people. Some people thought they were really misled yeah. about how this. Which I totally understand. I do totally get that. Uh, but I thought it was it was just fantastic. And it's Trey, Trey Edward Schultz. And I thought it was just a, a real incredible dive into human frailty, I, yeah. I thought. I loved it. I loved it, too. And I know there are a lot of people who don't consider it a horror film, which I understand. But I think if you look at it at the very, very end, and this 
perfectly lovely, loving husband and wife are looking at each other across the table, and they've just done something completely unspeakable. They've done something that even if they were to survive this, this you know, ca- catastrophe, uh, global catastrophe, they'll never get over the fact that of what it is that they just did. And I think that that's the core terror, horror in this movie. And basically, in, in talking about the film afterwards, Trey Edward Schultz said the title just kind of came to him early, night. Early, <laughs> early in the writing process, and it just always stayed there and stayed there as an idea as he kept writing. And by the end of it, he, he thought it represented what came at night was anxiety mm. and, and dreams. This, this movie has a lot to do with dreams, yeah. especially the way the dreams are shot uh, when he... Uh, when Travis is, is the character played by Kelvin, Kelvin Harrison, Harrison Jr., Jr. Oh who's God. great, by the way. S- not what, just in that, in everything. He's yeah. great in everything. Well, uh, the uh, uh, Trey Edward Schultz's last movie was Waves. Uh, Waves, which also starred Kelvin Harrison. Look that up, too. It's very good. Uh, anyway, in this movie, when Travis is dreaming, the screen becomes cinemascope style and then transitions out when he wakes up. So there's a lot of dreaming back and forth uh, The movie in this looks movie. great. It does. It looks fantastic. It also preys on, on paranoia because there is a, a plague, some sort of unknown plague mm-hmm. affecting humanity mm-hmm. here. And then once this this group sets up a household and then they accept this younger couple in, there starts to be some finger pointing about who may be infected. Is it you? Yeah. Is it us? Is it and, and who needs to be shunned back out into yeah. the wilderness? And that's where the horror is yeah. for me in this yeah. movie. Yeah. But again, a lot of people totally disagree for the reasons that they thought they were sold a bill of goods yeah. that they didn't get. Yeah. And and if this sort of these sort of themes aren't horrific to you, I totally get how this would not be your bag at all. But uh, for us, it was just extremely, extremely effective. Brandon had a good thought, and one thing I was going to bring up: the shifting aspect ratio. That is a good point because as it really coincides with how. Travis's family starts to tunnel in on their belief that the other family is infected. Yeah. And, and, and I think that's a very good point. I, I actually meant to bring that up. Uh, so there's a couple of votes, a couple of comments for uh, It Comes at Night. And also mentioning Waves uh, to see that one as well, which we did mention, but we totally agree. Number three, It Comes at Night, shut in. And they, this one definitely qualifies because they're shut in because they're afraid oh, yeah. of well, yeah, what is out there yeah. uh, for sure. Uh, and that moves us up to number two, a favorite. The most fun. The most fun movie <laughs> that you're going to watch while you are housebound. Oh, from 2014, a young woman is forced to return to her childhood home after being placed under house arrest where she suspects that something evil may be lurking. It is the fun of housebound. Some things have happened since I've been here. Things I can't explain. The restless spirit that lives in this house. What is your business here? So, are you happy to proceed with the story that Mr. McRandall was attacked by a vengeful ghost? Yes. Righto. <laughs> is this one? Have we shown this at Franklin? Yes. Okay. I, I remember talking about it many times yeah. because it's a favorite. It's such a great movie. It's so much fun. Yeah. And you know, it's funny about that you like it as well as you do because it's New Zealand and you are I know. not a massive fan of New Zealand horror comedy. Exactly right. I'm not. Um, but this one, for some reason, I, I think is done just right. And it's got some great lines in it and some great performances, some great deadpan. And it's one of those that you think of, 
if somebody says, well, I don't really like horror movies. Yes. I think they would have fun with Housebound. Yes. Just look yeah. at the poster, really, <laughs> uh, and the trailer. It's, it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. It is. Morgana Riley has the, she's the lead, and she's the one. She's just deadpan, hateful. She's hysterical. And what uh, I love about her, she's got such a brilliant attitude the entire time. And she, she winds up confined to her parents' custody because she and her dumbass boyfriend try to break into an ATM in like the most idiotic way possible and they get busted mainly because her boyfriend is stupid. Um, and so she's just pissed off all the time. And then she's mad that she is stuck at home with these people that she really can't stand. And the thing about it is that they're all the loveliest, sweetest people in the whole world, which just <laughs> makes you hate her even more. But you can't really. And her relationship with her dad, or it might be her stepdad, I forget now, but is just adorable. And her mom, you love her mom to, to pieces. And, and what's creepy, so um, just like Disturbia, just like, just like Fright Night, you know, uh, she thinks that the person next door is a murderer. And so she's got to like sneak around and look in and she really can't leave the house. And she's got this beeper on her leg. And and uh, and he's very creepy. He is very creepy because there's this mystery of this missing girl. And and th- so there's this whole complicated, very funny mystery going on. There might be somebody living in the walls. There might be a ghost. Uh, there's it's just it's adorable is what it is. And it's also it's also pretty scary. And it's got a great line that we like to use a lot. Punch him in the face. <laughs> when you meet a ghost, what are you going to do? I'll punch him in the That's face. That's right. I love that. And I like the way it... You know what? I like you're the more Anna Riley and your, uh, your Jason Statham imitations are identical. Really? Yes. It's true. Well, I work hard on my impressions. I think anybody <laughs> that listens to this podcast knows that. My accents as well. By the way, Melissa uh, and Tyrone both joined. So. Oh, hey. Welcome. Welcome. And and Albert and Jenny too. So glad yeah, this is a, this is a party. Congratulations, just, Albert and yes, Jenny. Yes, they're expecting a boy. They just uh, found out that uh, they're having a boy. So congratulations. Aww. Enjoy those onesies that we sent you. Congratulations <laughs> again. So that is Housebound number two, twenty fourteen. One of the ones we wanted to mention with Housebound, yeah, though, because uh, the theme of being stuck, where the biggest problem is the people you're stuck with. Again, this was Pina Joe's idea. Was and we, you and I went back and forth. Did it count? Did it not count? The lighthouse. Oh, the lighthouse. Actually, I wanted to hold the lighthouse out for our podcast on bean spilling horror. <laughs> Movies where beans are spilled. And why did you spill them? <laughs> I don't really consider them shut ins. I mean, they, they chose to be there for the job and they, they can leave the lighthouse. There's really nobody there on the rock. How long we've been on this rock? Help me um, to recollect. Yeah, but uh, I don't know. I don't really consider them shut-ins. Do you? They are stuck there yeah. and think that's really the whole problem is that they're stuck there and the one is super flatulent. Um, <laughs> and then the other doesn't appreciate his cooking. Yeah. I mean, I love that movie so much. Yeah. I have no problem putting it on as, as many. All the lists. All the lists that we can, that we can get, get uh, come up with. But that's a, good, that's a good conversation. It's just not the one that I would think of shut-ins. But I love the movie. Let's go to number one, and I bet you know what it is when you're talking about shut-in somewhere for long periods of time. From 1980, a family heads to an isolated hotel for the winter where a sinister presence influences the father into violence, The Shining. Mom, do you really want to go and live in that hotel for the winter? Sure I do. It'll be lots of fun. The only thing that can get a bit trying up here during the winter is uh, the tremendous sense of isolation. Is there something bad here? I fear you will have to deal with this matter 
in the harshest possible way. Here's Johnny! <laughs> this has got to be the the one that first comes to mind. Yes. They're, they're shut in there for the winter because of the weather. Yep. Maybe that's why one of the first things that, uh, that I think of shut in. And things don't go well. No, and the thing is that they do it voluntarily. They know they're going to be stuck there. They right. know they're not going anywhere. And they must know that they have a really unhealthy family dynamic right from the get-go. Although, Wendy doesn't seem like she's working with a full deck anyway. Right, and I think that is one of the, the uh, things that, in, in reading about Stephen King's famous you know, reaction to the movie, that's one of the things he didn't like. Was, that Wendy was... Well, the, no, that specifically Jack was that you could tell he was, uh, I guess, Stephen King. And in the book, um, he wanted to keep him a good guy, totally a good guy who was turned bad by the forces in the hotel. Not that he had any sort of imbalance before he came to the hotel. But one thing I, I did read recently that I hadn't heard before was that one of the things that gave Stephen King the idea for the, uh, the book was that he, he's, he and his family were staying at a hotel in Colorado, and they were among the last of the guests to leave before it was shut down. And he also noticed that among the last guests to leave were a couple of nuns. Oh. And he just thought to and himself... And a guy in a bear suit. <laughs> yeah. And he thought to himself, <laughs> well, now the hotel is godless. And then he kind of married that with, uh, with an idea that he'd been working on about a kid with, with supernatural powers. And it, it kind of... Uh, Came, came from there, and he actually took the title from the uh, John Lennon song, uh, Instant Karma, We All Shine oh. On. It's, uh, there's so many reasons to talk about this movie, and we have. It's, it's on many, many lists. Right. But with this category, I mean, it, it's, it's the granddaddy yeah, of shut-in movies. Oh, it, it definitely is. That's where I think that it begins to deliver the tension. It, it's the same thing with, like, Alien or a lot of haunted house movies. It's the idea uh, that so many horror films start with this. You cannot go. You can't leave. You can't escape this. And what's the worst thing that could happen while you're stuck here? And I think that uh, that The Shining delivers on that promise maybe better than any other film does. There are a lot of films that do it really well. The Haunting of Hill House. And there, I mean, there are a lot of films that do it really well. But I think that and, and, a, and a lot of that has to do with Jack Nicholson's performance. Oh, my. Yeah. Because he's absolutely glorious in that role. Another thing I just found out was Lloyd. Mm -hmm. Hi, Lloyd. He was originally supposed to be played by Harry Dean Stanton. Oh, that could have worked. Yeah. Although, you know what? Harry Dean Stanton seems so sad all the time. But he had he had a, a previous commitment in uh, Alien. But the actor that plays Lloyd, Joe Turkle, I mm -hmm. believe, is great. He's perfect. He's, he's fantastic. It, it's hard to talk about it without bringing up the crazy conspiracy theories, although I'd rather not because, to me, even though the movie Room 237 is so interesting. It's great. It is so interesting about all the crazy conspira conspiracy theories of The Shining. I think most of them just come off as so incredibly silly, especially when you see any sort of behind-the-scenes uh, documentaries or, or vignettes with Kubrick who just laughed the entire thing off. It's just, it's just a ghost story. It's just a ghost story. Who cares? So why is Jack Torrance looking at a playgirl in the lobby where he's about to have an interview? That's just a bizarre decision. It's a, it's a weird choice for a guy who's trying to make a good impression on his new employers. So. It is. Well... He didn't bring the magazine there. No, it, but he's looking there. at it. He didn't have to pick it up and look at it. But if you're going to go, is that a test when you go to, <laughs> if you go to a, to a job interview, it's a test. I'm going to put a really 
wrong magazine here. And if the guy picks it up or the woman, then they're out. That could be, I don't know, but you're right. That is such a, a crazy piece of, of trivia to have in the, in the movie, just to see if anybody picks it up, I yeah. guess. And another thing I love was that about the typing scene. I think it was Kubrick's assistant that actually typed all those pages, mm. all of them. And when you hear him- Doesn't make him sound like a dick? It makes him seem it okay. Does. Hey, Patty, I need you to just type this one sentence for 400 pages. And also, when you hear him, when you hear um, Jack typing, but you don't see him. Or whatever the hell else you hear in here. Uh, yeah, don't come in, I'm working. <laughs> Kubrick made sure that the sound you heard was someone actually typing all work and no play makes Jack a dull boy because he had been told that each keystroke sounds a little bit different. So you can't just sit there and just start you know, doing all this because it just wouldn't be right. So I think you right. just explain why people read into all of his movies that everything <laughs> means more than it does. Cause... No, but that's a very literal, very, very uh, literal. Okay, it, if he believed that it, each key was a little bit of a different weight and so you wanted to make sure it was right. But those types of details are, are astounding because he's known for, of course, multiple takes. Yes. Multiple, multiple takes. So much so that... The Scatman Crothers. Yeah. He was Scat so unhappy. He made... Scatman do that death scene so many times, and then the next movie Scatman made after The Shining was Bronco Billy, which was directed by Clint Eastwood, who's famous for one take. And I guess Scatman just broke down in tears and thanked him so much because <laughs> we're just doing one take and we're out of here. You are not Stanley Kubrick. No, he's not. <laughs> I knew that was coming. So The Shining, as you might guess, sits at number one on Shut In Horror. But, we've, you know, we've got some good other movies to, to toss around that yeah. could possibly qualify as Shut In, although we didn't think of them uh, right off the bat. Um, Derek wants to know if you could pause the podcast so he can go make an old-fashioned. <laughs> um, well, you know, I'm on empty as well. I am also. <laughs> Do you know what that means? we got to go. But uh, we have to – so normally our next podcast would be at – Fright Club would be at Gateway, and yeah. we can't do that. So that means whatever the topic was, we don't have. So we're fishing for a topic for the next podcast. Should we do post-apocalyptic horror? Should we do Descent into Madness? Should we do something that doesn't look so much like uh, our current situation? Yeah. Drugs? Drugs. <laughs> I keep wanting to do one on drug use, and uh, we just haven't done it yet. What's a, good, what's a good topic for our next Fright Club? Obviously, the best way to get a hold of us uh, is on Twitter. Unless you have one right here. Fright Club Pod. I can shoot you yeah. now. I can say yeah. now. There's a lighthouse conversation going on about the fucking seagulls, which I, <laughs> which I totally understand. <laughs> How often does George drop an F-bomb on the podcast? Not very often. No, it's mainly me. Yeah. yeah. You, you had two tonight, I believe, and that was my first. On one hand, I kind of hope we do this again, but on the other hand, I hope we don't. Right. Because I do hope we get back to normal. Everybody gets back to normal uh, here soon because obviously we, we want to we support our local movie theaters, uh, not just here in Columbus, but all over. Yeah. I mean, they're going to be hurting. Uh, you made this point earlier today when we recorded our other podcast, uh, The Screening Room, is that even if this ended tomorrow, which is not going to, the, a lot of the theaters are going to have a tough time coming back from this. Yeah, because I feel like, uh, you know, everybody's going to go, yes, I need to go to the bar, I need to get a drink. But I don't know how many people are going to go, yes, I need to go sit crowded with a whole bunch of other human bodies in the same seats and armrests where 300,000 other people have been, like, but, sharing their germs. But, but we hope that you do do that. Yeah, and I think... Because we love cinema, and we love Gateway Right, Film that's Center. the thing. We I think, I think though, there's a lot of people that so appreciate that, mm -hmm. that theater experience. And I know 
we are with a lot of them all the time at the Gateway mm-hmm. Film Center because that is such a great place. We look forward to getting back there. We look forward to getting in front of the crowd there and doing the Fright Club Live. But you know what? We can still, even even if that happens, we can still do this too. This is a lot of fun. All right. This is, let's, let's do it. But if you can help us out with a uh, category for next time, we would love to hear it at Fright Club Pod, as I said. You can also uh, find us on Facebook, obviously, and Instagram, or at Mad Wolf Columbus and the main website. We can get all of our written reviews and then our other podcast, which I just mentioned, The Screening Room. That's all at madwolf.com. So uh, this is this has been a lot of fun. Thank you, guys. Yeah, um, I was hoping you. we'd have a lot of people pop in, a lot of comments. And uh, I imagine the meat toxins have their own party going on yeah, exactly. right now that we're not a part of. No. And that's totally fine. <laughs> oh, and Brandon, the course. Brandon says, I'm this close to typing all play and no work makes Brandon a crazy boy. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we were talking about your situation earlier, and uh, don't do that to us again. You know? <laughs> That's right. It's really not we about what happened to you. <laughs> exactly. So you guys are great. Uh, we, we look forward to hearing from you all the time, and this has been a blast. So uh, you guys have a great night. Have a great weekend. Until next time, she is Hope Madden. He's George Walt. And this is the Fright Club Podcast. Hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark. And stay frightful, my friends.